Hello and welcome to the Christmas edition of Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Coming up, we have a conversation with Martin Colclough, a man who helped shape the pathway for wounded, injured and sick military athletes from taking part in sport as a form of recovery to achieving elite sporting status. There's nothing better than seeing someone finish on a podium, but not everybody can. So there's also almost, almost an equal amount of joy seeing the person who sorted their life out and gone on to have a great life compared to where you saw them when you first met them. Now, given his wealth of knowledge and experience in para sport, it's no surprise that Martin was heavily involved in the Invictus Games. The Invictus Games were never designed uh, to be a platform, but you knew they would be. You know, so they weren't built from the ground up as a as a talent ID proving ground for future Paralympians. But you knew from those games, some talent was going to emerge. And then it was very much up to the individuals. Now we'll hear more from Martin later in the show, but Jules, I felt it was a perfect time to speak to him as due to the pandemic, we find ourselves in this unique position where the Summer Paralympics, which were postponed, only finished a few months ago and we're very close to the Winter Games in Beijing, of course, which get underway in early March. So perfect time to speak to someone and a font of knowledge, I think, in 25 years, a quarter of a century in para-sport. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned that this was our Christmas programme. Well, yeah. it is indeed. And I wanted to have Mary Berry on, but she's not allowed <laughs> to talk about the time she served in Special Forces, apparently. Something to do with a contract that she's got with a book coming out. However, Martin is indeed the perfect guest because he has done so much in the latter part of his career, helping those injured veterans and still serving athletes make their way into the para-sporting movement. He's been giving his last part of his career to helping those and facilitating those athletes get as high as they can. And he's a great listener. So if you can hang around or you want to fast forward through us, you can. <laughs> it's not called fast forward anymore. It's called a scroll. <laughs> Did you know that? Scroll I, I think, through. Yeah. You had to so jump, by, fifth, Martin. jump uh, by 15 seconds. So this conversation never happened. If, if, <laughs> if, if you like, you can scroll through to Martin. And I, and I urge you to just have a listen to Martin because he's brilliant. Yeah, he's fascinating. Got an OBE, of course, for his um, oh, services to disability sport, which was back in 2014. And he, um, um, I love the way that he has such a personal... I feel that there's something about being involved with the Paralympics where you have a really, almost like a closer relationship with those athletes, simply because maybe what they've been through and possibility that they're sort of... They've come from places like a Help for Heroes programme, like a lot of his athletes did. But Martin also understands their backstory, not just the fact that they, how they got injured, where they got injured, but what makes them tick. You know, he he's right in there with them. Being a military man himself, he understands that military mentality even more than perhaps anybody else. So, yeah, he he's very much on point and has done so much to help individuals and, and teams as well. Well, like I said, more on that later. But before that, let's have a little recap of any forces sport, Jules. Well, of course, last week we had the, or this week, we had the draw for round one of the Rugby League Challenge Cup. And uh, I must say, it's looking quite exciting. All away trips for our forces side, so not going to be that easy. Now, the Army, if you remember, reached the fourth round for the first time in their history last season. They're away to Oral St. James. Royal Navy... They're going to head, hit the road as they head to Wales uh, to take on Bridgend Blue Bulls. And it doesn't get any more straightforward for the RAF. They've got to go to West Yorkshire to face Thornhill Trojans, who are based in Dewsbury. And those fixtures, 
Don't have too much turkey between now and then, guys. It's the 15th and the 16th of January, so you need to be in tip-top shape. But the the, the plus, and we have to put a little caveat because it, there is a plus to this, but the caveat being that both teams have to win. If the Army and the Navy do negotiate those tricky first-round ties, then they get to meet in round two, and that fixture may be a home game for the Army and Aldershot. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and you say caveat, but and it, it was amazing to see the army get so far last year. But what I love about this is over the time I've been with BFBS Sport, um, it, there's been more and more actual reality of them getting through and progressing through. So you can see the 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 improvement in the teams just from watching them against these, you know, not well, you know, these these sides that are more well established than the military side. Well, the last few seasons, we've seen some of the top Super League clubs come calling. They're using the military <laughs> as almost a scouting ground to pick some excellent players to go and play for them. I'm thinking of uh, Ratu Nelago or Siva Nelago, who's now at yeah. Bristol Bears. But of course, he was a he was a top try scorer for Hull. So yeah. Something that's been going on, well, it's still carrying on, is the International Horse Show, which is being held at the Excel Centre in London um, this week. But on Friday, there was the Forces show jumping, show jumping final. It forms part of the International Horse Show, and it's an incredible backdrop for the Forces Riders' annual jump final. Sadly, no military winner this year, as it was Charlotte Lee from the British Police, who achieved two clear rounds, came out on top. Absolutely over the moon. Um, this has been our sole purpose this whole year is to come here and do well and to win. Just it's phenomenal. I owe it to this size, it's amazing. So yeah, really, really happy, chuffed. Now the 2018 title winner, Laura Charlie, she came second after recovering from one fence down in her first round, and Andrew Mancy was third. Dan Powell, meanwhile, came fourth on his last day in the army. Really stiff competition. I think everyone had to go for time in the second round, and I think that's where a couple of people dropped out of the placings and went a little bit lower down the order. And yeah, for my last day in the army, I can definitely take being at the International Horse Show in London as probably one of my best moments. It always signifies Christmas to me. It feels like it's one of the last events we cover before the Christmas break. John Knighton, as ever, has been busy collecting a lot of material for the end of year. Um, he's been speaking to the various single service sports boards and they've all been reflecting on 2021. In many ways, a year of recovery as forces sports started up again after the lockdowns of 2020. Although it feels a bit trepidatious to be saying that at the moment, but Colonel B. Grossmith, the uh, retiring secretary of the UK Armed Forces Sports Board, he spoke about what's been another challenging but eventful year. The single services were brilliant in getting activity going again. Uh, the trouble at the UCAF level, the UK Armed Forces level, is that, of course, that's the, the, the pinnacle of the service sort of um, level of sport. And so it takes time to build up to that. Uh, I just think that um, we've worked well over this period to make sure that we can uh, structure and deliver our sports well. Um, and I, I hope that background will, um, all that, 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 that foundation will serve us well. I mean, they're, they're sounding very optimistic in, in those conversations, but I think the kind of state we are at the moment, I fear there may be more cancellations and possible postponements ahead. Well, you're probably closer to the biggest cancellation that we know, which is next early next year, which is the biggest event of early next year for us. Um, yeah, so is... the 
Yeah, the Inter-Services Snow Sports Championships in Maribel at the end of January. Not, Don't panic, not been cancelled yet, but I do believe there'll be a decision made around the 5th of January. And, and purely that, it's not just Maribel that's affected, it's all the, the single services championships leading up to that. And if they're in France or Germany, there are obviously issues with the UK travelling there. I think the some units have already been out there, but I think the ban from France came after they'd arrived, so they were allowed to carry on. Is that correct? Probably. Now, we mentioned his success last week, but Jules, you managed to speak to Army boxer Carnell Brown after he won a national title at the 2021 England Boxing National Amateur Championships. Yes, it's a great opportunity now for the GB trials and, you know, so see what, see, you know, give everything I've got and show what I can do. And yeah. You've had a little go at that before in Sheffield. So have you learned from that experience? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, you, you know, you, you're against different calibres of fighters. You know, it kind of shows you, it's an eye-opener to show that there are there's levels to this sport. And, you know, it's, it's good because you know there's so much that you can learn, so much room for growth. And it's, it's brilliant. Do you feel a better boxer since the last time you were at GB, the, the path that you've been on since? Because you've, you've changed weights as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in some ways, yeah, 100%, um, you know, there's improvements, but then there's so many more improvements that have to be made. That's not to be negative. That's a great thing. I mean, if there wasn't any, if you didn't think there was any improvements, then it's pointless you're doing the sport. You know, you're, you're there to, to learn and grow. So. Old if muscle you are- warrior, Carnell Brown. Yeah, so he'll be having a go with GB again this gen- in January, so it's a little trial with them to see if he can make the grade. If you want to see more from Carnell or the Forces show jumpers in action, then please visit forces.net where you'll find all the latest sports stories that we're covering. A reminder too that you can re-watch highlights or any of the live streams you've missed this year on the Forces News Facebook page or by going to BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. You're listening to Forces Sport on BFBS with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Now for Martin Colclough. Many of you will have heard his name or even met the man, but how much do you know about him? His first experience of parasport was 25 years ago when he was working as a physical training instructor in the British Army. Little did he know then that the Paralympic movement would come to define his life, his career and his legacy. He's a huge cog in the wheel that connects and develops injured, wounded and sick serving personnel and veterans with the world of elite disability sport. I think at that stage we were more focused on physical rehabilitation because we were in a centre that was largely known for physical rehabilitation. That became our focus. So um, learning new skills, learning how to take some positive risks by trying new sports making it very functional so that it fed directly into the rehabilitation programs that they were undergoing. And, um, and our focus wasn't really on the social side at that time or the mental health benefits either, but we know that they're all part of sport. So within a very short period of time, it became apparent that there were benefits to be had, not just for serving personnel, not just for those with physical injuries, but also people who had psychological injuries as well. And have you, over that time, I mean, bringing it up to date now, I know that, you know, you're still linked to a lot of people and the the journey that you've been on. Um, But it's interesting that you are very honest that actually it started out to be about physical ability. But are you encouraged by the fact that low everyone is embracing mental health now and there's a lot more understanding about it because you've kind of lived through that. Oh, completely. I mean, all our lives have probably been touched by someone we know with a mental health condition. And so it was a very natural progression. I think think we thought of things initially as 
it'll be good for your body and your mind without thinking of it as really a treatment modality. And within about 18 months, we started to work very much more closely with um, uh, mental health practitioners who were then, just in the same way that the physiotherapists were directing some of the physical activities that we were doing to achieve physical rehabilitation aims, the, um, the psychology team were directing some of the psychological interventions that we were using with their guidance and their input to help people cope uh, with their mental health conditions and hopefully in, in lots of cases to eventually recover from those mental health conditions as well. You enabled some to go onto the British Paralympic pathway and they became Paralympic with, with not too much or, or, or plenty of success. I think of the likes of John Allen Butterworth. Uh, how did that come about? How did you, did you push the athlete forward? How did you give them the confidence to say, look, try this and just see what happens? I love the John Allen Butterworth story, so I'm glad you've asked me about <laughs> it because it's, it's really quite a unique set of circumstances that led to John Allen taking part in the Paralympic Games. <clears throat> in, um, the Americans were running a, a military Paralympic program and I found out about that in about 2008-2009 and we were invited by that program to take a small group of people over to the Olympic Training Centre in San Diego and John Allen had tried a Talent ID Day with British Cycling but wasn't quite sure whether cycling was for him and one of the sports we were going to do, and the only one that he was actually interested in, was, was track cycling. And in San Diego, they have an open air concrete track. And so he got along to the track, John Allen got on a bike, tried to ride with one arm, and absolutely failed to get round the track. Was totally distraught because he'd gone all that way to test himself on a track bike. And along comes an American athlete, uh, called Greta and Greta had the same impairment as John Allen so Greta lent John Allen her arm and also the fixing that fitted to the handlebars so that John Allen could ride with his prosthetic arm partly loaned by Greta who was on a Paralympic journey herself and he went round the track and then the smile on his face blew everybody away he was a happy bunny and the rest as they say is history he went on to compete um, a few years later. And does it surprise you having been involved with these athletes? And we see it, I mean, even outside of our military athletes, we see it in, um, with the civilian athletes, if I can put it like that. But in the Paralympics, it's not that unusual for people to change sports, like John Allen has done. He's tried this, he did two Paralympics on the bike and he's, he's now gunning for, for snowboard. And, you know, we talked to Stu Robinson earlier about would you consider another sport? They, and I think. I think it's a twofold question, really. I'm sure you're not surprised by the fact that they, they like to try other things. But you've got likes of Scott Meanhurt, who, who took longer to find his sport. But they've got time to do it. And your programme and your pathway, yours and Help for Heroes and the British Paralympic, you allowed that time for them to decide and also to change their mind if they want to later down the yeah, track. Yeah, I think it was important that we didn't pigeonhole people. Uh, and give people as many opportunities and as diverse a range of sports as you can possibly imagine because we all like different things. Uh, different things actually just make us feel alive. So what pleases me and 
and, and gets me excited in sport is not going to be the same thing that gets you excited. So by having that range of opportunities, you can develop people's competencies along a broad range of activities first, then they start to specialise. But right from the get-go, we've always kept an eye on what we call talent transfer. So somebody might try something that they're not particularly suited at, but that's what they love. <coughs> Excuse me. If you can then say, what do you want to do? Do you want to be an average cyclist or do you want to be a Paralympian? Well, if you want to be a Paralympian, we think you'd be more suited to this sport. So why not give that a go? If you don't like it, go back to the one you first started with. Try something else. So we always kept it really flexible. But those that do want to transfer and can transfer, like it appears John Allen Butterworth is doing right now, um, uh, you've got to keep open to those opportunities. But it's very much led by the individuals. John Allen was already on that pathway, it seems, when the Invictus Games came yes. along. How many of those athletes who featured in the Invictus movement used that as a springboard to greater success? Not to diminish, of course, the Invictus game. No, no, the Invictus games, uh, like many of the other activities that we do, were never designed uh, to be a platform, but you knew they would be. You know, so they weren't built from the ground up as a, as a talent ID proving ground for future Paralympians, but you knew from those games some talent was going to emerge. And then it was very much up to the individuals to take up those opportunities. I mean, there's talent that's got away. I mean, Arthur Williams, who's had a stellar career as a TV presenter, um, first started off by doing a Talent ID Day and totally blew away British cycling with his hand cycling numbers that he managed to produce. And he decided that hand cycling, even though that he had probably one of the best engines that British cycling have ever seen in a British sand cyclist, it wasn't for him. So what do you do? You, you follow a different path. So as well as being a platform for the development of future Paralympians, which then becomes a job for them, it's been the development for other people in other areas. Uh, JJ Chalmers would be another example who came as an athlete and then as later identified as this kind of superstar presenter that he's become. The Invictus movement, go back to the beginning, the crazy times of from Prince Harry saying we're going to create one of these in um, in the UK, did you sort of go, oh God, you know, uh, at what point did you know that that was going to be reality and, and were you expecting it to be as big as it is today? I certainly didn't expect it to be as big as it is today. Um, I think it's gone from strength to strength and is still developing as a, as a, as a concept. So uh, there's much more activity going on now between the games in the last couple of years than there has been since 24, between 2014 and 2018-19, let's say. So um, many things have come out of the Invictus Games that you think might be possible, but you don't realise that they were possible, and almost as if they were part of the plan from the get-go, suddenly become reality. So um, lots of people have done sort of great things. I mean, I went, uh, one of the things that, during the London 2012 Games, um, for me, which was a real treat, was I wanted to see John Allen compete. And I was walking across the Olympic Park and I bumped into a, a young guardsman who had been on that first Orlando trip, right. not Orlando trip, um, San Diego trip, that, that military camp. And he introduced me to his wife and his baby. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. 
this guy's life has completely changed in the last two years compared to where he was two years previously. So I completely missed John Allen's debut <laughs> in the velodrome <laughs> because I was much more interested in the growth of the person and how he, he changed. And it was just a fantastic moment. It was well worth missing John Allen's race, but don't tell him. Don't tell him well, he thinks you were there. Your job roles and your career has focused on enabling others to, to go and, and achieve that success. How much satisfaction do you get then from seeing those finish on the podium on the biggest sporting stages of all? Because I've been involved in sport all my life in various roles, from being a, an athlete myself, a little, little scrawny gymnast, if that's believable, um, all the way through to coaching and then instructing in the, in the Army Physical Training Corps. Um, there's nothing better than seeing someone finish on a podium. But not everybody can. So there's also almost, almost an equal amount of joy seeing the person who sorted their life out and gone on to have a great life compared to where you saw them when you first met them. It's close, it's really close, but coming from an athletic background, coming from a sporting background, nothing beats a podium finish. Uh, another person in sport who says it's all about the people and it's very clear from his attitude and his approach that it is about the people i like it wasn't in this section of the interview but he goes on to talk about corey map who he called a lost soul and it's only someone who knows corey as well as martin does but i would agree with him i don't know corey as well but he did seem a bit of a lost soul and yet he seems to have found a purpose in life with para bobsay and it's it's improved his entire life um and that's from 10 years of watching him compete in, in different kinds of sport. Well, Martin Colclough is almost like the three ghosts that visit Scrooge over <laughs> Christmas because, you know, he understands their past. He shows them the present, but he can give them that pathway to the future and say, look, if you go on this path, things are going to be different for you. They may, may well be so much, so much better and it just gives people from a military background probably miss the camaraderie and the routine of serving alongside others. And sport is a great way of giving you that camaraderie and routine because you've got to train, got to prepare. And I just think that he's been a fantastic guy, go-to guy for so many of our para-athletes with military backgrounds. I'm sure he's never had a bigger compliment than being called the ghosts of Christmas past. Well, I like to I like to give out <laughs> presents this time of year, and that was the best one I could think of. <laughs> well, I, was trying to tie, I was trying to tie it all in. Um, we, we do not do this <clears throat> podcast for monetary gain, but he was very generous with his presents. He gave us all a shirt from, I think you got a shirt from Pyo, the Pyeongchang Games, didn't you, Jules? I did. I don't know off whose back. I don't know off whose back it was from, but <laughs> I have got it. a new one. Yeah, proudly, proudly hanging now in my wardrobe. What did you take away from this a little long, generous? A, a long-awaited gift, which was the Invictus jacket, which is black with the yellow lining, and I've been asking Martin for years to did get it, me one. Did it have he finally the name, came through. Did it have the name tag Harry Wales in the back? No, no. It is not Harry's. No, no. but okay. it's definitely been used. Do you know what? I want to I want to watch and I want to listen to more of Martin's interview, Kath. Where can I go and find that? 
I'm glad you mentioned that, Jules, mm. because it's about time that we say that you can hear more from Martin. You can go and find the full filmed interview. It's a good half an hour with him on the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube. You can see all the interviews that we've done over the course of now 13 episodes of this podcast. And, you know, should you find yourself at a loose end over the festive period, I would recommend going back across our entire back catalogue um, for Forces Sport Um Whilst we have our two-week break, if you miss our dulcet tones, that's where you can go. Well, you mentioned Corrie Mapp earlier, who's busy off doing para-bobsleigh, and I know this weekend you've been casting an eye over other athletes who've been busy on the slopes. What have they been up to? Well, I mean, as everyone is now taking a, a bit more of a break, our GB bobsleigh, there are two teams, of course, who, who take part in the World Cup series. They are now, I want to say, six World Cup races in and they sit, the GB1 sled, which is driven by Brad Hall, has para Nick Gleason and Royal Marine Taylor Lawrence as the um, powerhouses at the back with um, Greg Cackett as well. They're sitting a comfortable fifth, actually, in the World Cup rankings, which is great going into the Olympics next year. Um, they They got a good result. I mean, they've already had two silvers over the course of the World Cups. They got a good, another good result at the weekend, but out of the medals. But the sad news, of course, is that the GB2 sled, which is um, driven by Grenadier Guardsman Lamin Dean, it looks unlikely that they'll qualify for the Olympics after another finish outside the top 20. I mean, nothing's definite yet, and they've still got three or four World Cups the other side of the new year to take part in. And that starts again in Latvia on the 1st and the 2nd of January. But they have not... They've not competed as strongly as before um, in that sled. I think there's been a lot of people movement as well in, in Lamin's sled. So it would be sad if we can't see both GB sleds at the Olympics, but at least one is doing very well. And um, it's not just the Winter Olympics, it's the Winter Paralympics. So how course, are our Paralympians getting on? Well, of course, Brett Wilde, who is Royal Navy, and he guides Millie Knight, who's a visually impaired skier. They've been at the British National Championships and the Europa Cup um, last week, and they won two silvers there. They're actually probably, I think they're still in action this week in, in San Moritz. So that continues. I don't know when they're having a break, but um, Brett, of course, has been with Millie Knight now for about four or five years, and it's always, you know, pretty stable. They they sort of are skiing with the same in the same group that of course Mena Fitzpatrick is in and she's continuing to do well with her new guide Katie Guest um, and also she's been doing some speed work with Gary Smith who is our RAF ski guide so plenty of forces involvement then and also GB snowboarder Owen Pick who's back in action he grabbed a podium spot on the Dew Tour in Colorado last week um, away from our forces athletes um, well I mean I, there, I was hoping, because I'm the positive one in this relationship, I was hoping that the cricket might still be going on and that, that, that Brody and Jimmy would be hanging out for a draw over there in Adelaide. But sadly, that was not to be. And I know that you told me so, but, you know, I was, yeah, I was well, being positive over that. We shall wait and see. Joe Root's got a week now to look after his baubles, put them on ice <laughs> and see what can happen in Melbourne when they reconvene for what is turning into one of the lamest Ashes series of all time. Did you see Alistair Cook's reaction in the... Uh... Sir Alistair Cook? No, I did Sir. not see his reaction. What, so, what did he... Did well, he a wince? Few, a few years ago when he was hit in the uh, Crown Jewels, um, 
and there's a picture of Joe Root sort of comforting him, but also laughing. So Sir Alistair Cook, who is now on the BT Sport coverage for the Ashes, as soon as that happened, they panned to the studio and he was having a good old giggle. Uh, I know it's very painful, but um, it is also very funny and it's good that they can um, they can have some laughs amongst them. But yeah, let's move on from the cricket, which... Well, well done say... to Celtic. They won the Scottish League Cup, didn't they, over the weekend? Yes, they did, two one. So well done to them. Um, now to... then... Now then, there was a lot of football happening, but a lot not. Well, exactly, and because of your early turkey carving course that you have to go on, we've we've actually had to pre-record this a little bit earlier because you're dashing out later, so we don't know the outcome because there's a big meeting taking place later uh, with the Premier League to see if those fixtures. Because Christmas is a busy old time for football, Mm. isn't it? So we don't know if that meeting with the Premier League and the clubs and the captains of those clubs to say whether they shall continue over Christmas because of the pandemic, whether those games will go on. We don't know the outcome of that. But what we do know is that you're going to carve a fantastic bird on the 25th. Well, do you know something I will be watching whilst carving said bird is the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. And I erroneously did not mention this last week, but it does go on for a good sort of six weeks to two months. And there are at least... I think six six boats that have um, military involvement currently crossing from the Canary Islands to Antigua, of course, English Harbour in Antigua. Um, and, you know, all I can say really is good luck stroke. to them all. On. <laughs> stroke. Yes. Stroke. Oh, you want to add some more. Yeah. I'm looking at the um, live tracker at the moment and it's hard to say that f- boats are bunched up when you're in the vastness that is the Atlantic. But mm. I my f- small taste of it is, is seeing them come into Antigua um, at the end of January and it is one of my favourite stories that I've ever covered obviously not because I got to go to the West Indies but um, mm. it was um, it is incredible when they've been at sea for six weeks so boats like Force Atlantic Atlantic Flyers the Salty Sappers Tideway Odyssey Team Peninsula and Team Atlantic Nomads well look Jules there's not a lot to look head to we've we've already covered the Maribel decision possibly on the 5th of January but um, that really is it from us um, for two weeks we're going to take a Christmas break Um, we'd love to hear from you especially if you have any sports stories of your own you can get in touch by emailing us here forcesport at bfbs.com you can catch up with all the weekly programmes at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts the full interviews are also available on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel we'll be back in 2022 on Monday the 10th of January thank you for listening goodbye and Merry Christmas Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you 